0: Are you in perimenopause or menopause? Are you in perimenopause or menopause and have questions? My co-host Andrea Donsky has a podcast called Menopause Reimagined where she answers your questions about this phase of life. So stay tuned at the end where I will share five minutes of her amazing podcast and there will be a link in the show notes where you can go and listen to the whole episode. Andrea is brilliant and she has worked so hard and knows her stuff. So be sure to check out Menopause Reimagined after this episode of Health Power. Thanks. Starting on January 11th, Health Power will be posting every Tuesday instead of every Tuesday and Thursday. On Thursdays, starting on the 12th, you're going to get Dog Eared with Lisa Davis. They write books about dogs. I interview them. So if you're a dog lover, I hope you will check it out. Tell your friends, tell your family, also tell them about Health Power. So again, Health Power every Tuesday, Dog Eared with Lisa Davis every Thursday. Hope you'll tune in. If you listen to this show, you know that I love Pilates. I've been doing Pilates now, oh my gosh, since 2010. And it's kind of funny. I'll just tell you a quick story. So I was producing and hosting a little segment on a show called uh, My New England. And I put this proposal on. It was an existing show where this man and woman would go around New England to different restaurants and different places. And I said, they should have something healthy. So I did this thing called healthy living. I was getting mixed up. Living Healthy in New England. One of them was on Pilates. I went to Pilates studio. I had no idea. And she took me through some exercises and I just instantly fell in love. Now, I knew about Qigong for a long time. And my husband's like, you know, you're kind of high strong and you should be doing some (laughs) Tai Chi or (laughs) Qigong or something. (laughs) So I'm super excited because the reason I'm telling you this story is we have the fantastic Stephen Washington. And today he's going to talk about The combination of Pilates and Qigong. He is also the author of Recovering You, Soul Care and Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction. Now, I'm going to have him back in March because I wanted, I was very upfront. I think y'all know if you listen, I read the books. I've been having some medical things and some other things going on. And so I said, listen, Stephen, I'm going to read your book and then have you back. So today we're going to talk about Pilates and Qigong. And I'm super excited. Stephen Washington, welcome to Health Power. Oh, it's great to have you on. I mean, I really fell for uh, Pilates. As a matter of fact, I was able to get a secondhand reformer um, pretty cheap compared to like what they cost new. I still have it and I use it a couple times a week and I love it. And I do find grounding and mindfulness in Pilates by itself um, because I have to really focus on the movements. But I love the idea of Qigong. So for people who aren't familiar, tell us about Pilates and then tell us about Qigong and then how this helped with your healing and how you brought these together.
1: Well, Pilates was created by Joseph Pilates. And I believe believe he brought this method or created this method, I think, in the 1920s. And he was a boxer and he was a very athletic guy. And he created this method of movement that he taught to soldiers in the internment camps during the, I think the first world war. Mm. And he noticed that the people that worked with him and he created exercises and a lot of the exercises he created for them that they could do while they were in their hospital beds. He literally took the springs from a mattress attach them to the wall behind the person who's laying on the bed so that they can lay down but still work their arms, work their legs and just oh, create wow. movement because he knew that movement was healing. He knew that movement was vital to a healthy life. And so those people who worked with him fared better. They got better. They they, they healed. And those who didn't um, got different results. So he created this method eventually he made his way to america he opened up a studio in new york city and the method is basically we always when we hear about pilates we always think oh pilates is about core strength it's about you know strengthening your core yes that is true and your core muscles are not just your abdominals and you know it's not just your your six-pack it's it's the deepest layer of muscle Underneath all of that that wraps around your spine to support your spine. It's essentially spinal health Joseph said that we're only as young as our spine is flexible and In addition to working on building strength in your core. We also work on flexibility in your body and mobility in the joints Joseph believed that breath is life, right? We we can we can we can go a while without eating or drinking But we can't go very long without breathing and he believed that many of us don't breathe properly and that if we were only learn how to breathe properly, we'd be able to enhance our health and well-being. So breath work is very important in Pilates. Concentration, flow, strength, stability, um, balance. He really felt that in order for a person to live a life that was healthy, but balanced body, mind, and spirit, you have to come about it from the body and that if the body is all those things we're able to achieve other other levels of health and well-being which is sound w- mind balanced emotions through movement so that's pilates and it can be done on a mat or on equipment like you said the reformer or the Cadillac there's so many different pieces of equipment that he invented he was a brilliant man
0: actually before you jump into qigong uh, I just wanted to say, I think one of the sad things is that I feel like Pilates has been sort of co-opted by rich white women who are all in great shape and have the right clothes and the right everything. And I think it's too bad because I'll talk about Pilates and people are like, oh, that's not for me, you know, depending on who I'm talking to, whether it's a person of color or a person in a larger body or a white person a larger body or it. It, it and I'm like, no, no, I mean it, it find something online, right? Like maybe if you go to class and they're snobs and tell them to F off and find something else, but else, <laughs> I speak my mind. I speak no, my but mind. say to them nicely, this doesn't feel welcoming or are you body shaming me or something? Um, but it is, doesn't it seem like that? And it's unfortunate because the way you're describing it, it's like this this should be for everybody, not just rich
1: It's white a women. good point that you're making. I mean, you know, I've taught in many different Pilates studios in New York City and in even in Silicon Valley. And a lot of the studios were, were um, a lot of the clients were very wealthy white women, of course, right. other people as well. But um, there is this conception that Pilates is only something that that the rich can do and the folks who, who have an abundance of free time can do. Right. But really, it's a practice that's available to each and every one of us. And you don't need to do you don't need equipment in order to do it because right. there's a whole mat series um, equipment is great because it also helps you if you're weak in your body it helps give you assistance but it can also challenge you as well there's so many different people out there teaching pilates um and people taking pilates and i love that all the people that i have discovered over the years on social media who are um who look like me who are teaching pilates there's black girl pilates on oh, on instagram great. and um and I can't remember, there's men of Pilates. There's so many different groups because it's it's a it's a practice that takes whatever it is that you do in life and helps you do it better.
0: Mm. Oh, that's so, you know, it's funny. I've seen that with yoga. I've seen more people of color. I've seen more larger bodies. I didn't know that was happening in Pilates, so I'm going to look that up. That's great.
1: Absolutely. It really is for everyone. And again, it does make you help you do everything better because you, first of all, if you feel better in your body, you're going to show up to life in a different way than if you don't feel better in your body. And one of the ways that we feel better in our body is by having better posture. And we have better posture, we're able to breathe deeply. And when we're able to breathe deeply, we're able to nourish our, our tissues with oxygen. And also it affects the way that our mind works. So it's it's a win-win on so many different levels. And so Pilates is, is fantastic. I found my way to Qigong when I was in Chinese medicine school um, and I would say, what was it? I was about 10 years sober and I found my way to Qigong because it was part of the curriculum. I was going through a really difficult time, um, really stressed out, felt really overwhelmed in life, thought I was going to lose my mind during that time. I thought I was gonna relapse. And one of, the, one of the saving graces at that time was the introduction of Qigong into my life and for those of you who don't know qigong is an ancient chinese healthcare system that combines flowing movement standing postures deep breathing focused intention to activate cultivate and circulate life force energy and life force energy is the energy that makes our heart beat it's the energy that that um, makes our organs work it's the energy that's behind our emotions and our thoughts and our consciousness And there's lots of ways that we get energy. You know, we're born with a certain amount of energy, but we also get it from the air that we breathe. We also get it from the food that we eat, the things that we drink. Uh, We get energy from sleeping, making sure that we have enough rest. And there are lots of things that can deplete us of our energy. And one of the things that depletes our energy the most is stress. Stress, um, unhealthy lifestyles, like too much um, fried food, too much processed food, too much sugar, Um, alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, things like that. And it's important that we have practices that help us to cultivate energy, circulate it, and um, as well as become more skillful at managing it. There's so many things that can drain our energy. People, situations can drain our energy. So it's really important that we have practices that help us to fortify ourselves and also to release energy that that really doesn't serve us and it doesn't belong to us. So all that can be found in, in, in Qigong. I got the idea years ago to bring these two practices together because one of the principles of movement in Pilates, as well as Qigong, is the center, the strength and the power in the center of the body, that this is where we held our power in the center of the body. We should move our bodies from a stable, grounded, connected center. And so our extremities from there can move with this anchor. And they both are very mindful movement practice. They're very mindful. There's a lot of mindfulness. You talked about that a a few moments ago. It's important while you're doing Pilates, while you're doing Qigong, to pay attention to what you're doing and how you're doing it and coordinating the movements with the breath which brings us into the present moment which is such an incredible gift so many of us focus on the past you know thinking about the past regretting the past staring at the past we don't have any power looking at the past and 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 regretting it or we focus on the future with worry or anxiety um sometimes fearing that we're not going to get what we want or that we're going to lose what we have but practices like Pilates and Qigong bring us to the present moment, connecting our bodies in the present time, connecting our breath. And when we're able to do that, we're able to slow down our thoughts a bit more. Also yeah. helps us to zoom out, mm-hmm. especially when we're going through stuff. It's really easy to, 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 to almost feel like you are um, in a tunnel right. with tunnel vision and you can't see beyond your situation. But I love how these practices give us space. So in a nutshell, yeah. that's Pilates and Qigong and, and how they work so well together and um, and how important that they've been in my life. And that's what I offer in my membership community, SWE Studio. I offer oh, that's great. Pilates, Qigong, meditation, dance, laughter medicine, mm-hmm. all those mm-hmm. good things to help us to bring about more balance, harmony, well-being, joy into our lives.
0: That's beautiful. Now, in the workout itself, do you sort of go back and forth between Qigong and Pilates or do you do like Pilates first and then Qigong or do you kind of mix up the the exercises?
1: What I wanted to do when I was creating my Pilates Qigong Fusion is I didn't want to try to create – a whole new language. Right. I really wanted to maintain the integrity of each practice, but just bring them into a, into a space in a room where they can exist at the same time and have one flow into the other. I felt as though that was going to be more true to to the integrity of each practice. And I knew that they would just marry really well at the same time.
0: Now with Qigong, I'm thinking about the movement and you're standing up and there's this flow. So I have a heel spur at the moment. And so I have a lot of pain in my heel and I still do things and I got to walk the dogs and I got to do stuff, but I'm trying to do things, something sitting down. And the nice thing about Pilates is you're lying down and I have to actually wear my tennis shoes. I can't be barefoot, unfortunately. Can you sit down and get any benefit out of Qigong?
1: You can, you can get benefit out of Qigong lying down. Some practices that you can do lying down as well so that's one of the great things about qigong as well as pilates that they're they are highly adaptable so which which makes them very accessible to each and every one of us and a key component of qigong is deep breathing so if you can breathe deeply and breathe with awareness you're doing qigong
0: oh
1: right but there's just so many exercises that you can do while seated that that invigorate your spine that help to um, nourish and, and and tonify your organ systems that stretch the body that stretch the meridians um, exercises that activates the energy in your body exercises that clear the energy from your body uh, there's so much that can be done that's the exciting thing about that practice oh
0: yeah now you mentioned laughter medicine I did a show on laughter yoga where you you're not even really doing yoga you're just making you know you, you start by fake laughing and then it, it's kind of funny so it becomes real laughing and you do breathing exercises is that the kind of thing or is this something different
1: how I use laughter medicine is kind a little different now I, I mm-hmm. studied laughter yoga I, I took a a, a a uh, training weekend many years ago in San Francisco, and I thought I was going to be the laughter yoga teacher of the bay area <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't happen quite that way but one thing that that stuck with me is just the power of laughter and that it's something that it doesn't take much for us to access that and to and to bring it into any moment of our day right, right. Uh, I was at a church. When I was living in the Bay Area, and the minister started off her, her talk with just two minutes of laughter, she just invited us all to just laugh with her, and that was amazing. It was it was revel it was revelatory for me, and so that's what inspired me to get certified. But what I have done in my practices and what I teach in SW Studios, it, SWE Studio, is that I just throw a couple of minutes of laughter. In the beginning of, say, my Pilates class or in the beginning of my Qigong class. And I just invite people to laugh with me. Now, some people have difficulty laughing, tapping into their joy. And what I always say to, to them is to not force themselves to laugh. But can you start with a smile? like lifting the corners of your mouth and maybe showing your teeth and just smiling because when we activate the muscles in the face, it communicates with the brain and we we release those feel-good hormones and, and chemicals in the body that we also do when we laugh. Yeah. So start there. It's wonderful to do that. Uh, and then just see how it goes from there. I think when you have difficulty laughing, I think just finding a moment like I'm describing where you kind of hit a wall with it Mm -hmm. is really valuable just so that you know where you are in your ability to experience joy. I think joy is an important part of living, just like Uh sadness is an important part of living as well. Having sadness and experiencing sadness makes us appreciate joy.
0: You've probably heard how important it is to take probiotics, and trust me, you don't want to take just any. You want to take Omnibiotic Stress Release. It's a psychobiotic that is backed by science and is an award-winning physician-recommended brand here in the U.S., What is a psychobiotic, you might be asking? Psychobiotics are types of probiotic bacteria that have been shown to directly impact your mental health. And my family and I have seen a difference in ours since taking our daily omnibiotic stress release. These are targeted probiotics. They have a highly effective powder delivery mechanism. They have clinically tested health benefits, and they are vegan and hypoallergenic. Omnibiotic stress releases, unique powder delivery mechanism ensures that 83% of good bacteria reach the desired area of the gut compared to an average of 7% in top probiotic capsule brands. So I encourage you all to go to omnibioticlife.com. You will get 15% off of your order by using the promo code LisaDavis15 at checkout. Again, these are incredible probiotics. You want to have a healthy gut. You want to have less anxiety. You want to feel better. I highly encourage you again. So go to OmnibioticLife.com. Use the promo code Lisa Davis 15 at checkout. You will be so glad you did. This is such an important thing you can do for your overall health. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I laugh super easily. Like sometimes I have to go back and listen to the show and edit. I'm like, that wasn't even that funny. Why did I laugh? Like laugh like now, like laugh at my own ridiculousness, but I'm kind of a big goof. So I do tend to laugh easily, but I think that's, I think that's really good. I, I want to, ju- you know, I mentioned that I'm going to read your book, but you mentioned earlier how these practices helped you. So just tell us a little bit about your journey with addiction and we'll dive in deeper when I read. Yeah,
1: Sure. Yeah. Um I came from a very traumatic upbringing. There's a lot of chaos in my in my household. My parents were dealing with trauma. They didn't even know they were dealing with trauma. Some of the ways that they dealt with it was to drink and uh, smoke, and family members did drugs. and And it was a chaotic environment where folks were not very happy and didn't know how to manage their emotions. And me being the sensitive child that I was, me being a, a young person who was who inside knew that it was very I was very different from the other kids I later came to realize that not only was I sensitive and introverted but I was also gay and getting the signals that that it's not okay to be any of those things so I immediately started to do things to help me self-soothe and self-regulate because no one was really available to help me do that As a child, I would bite my nails and other things I would eat uh, to change the way that I felt. And then eventually, by the time I was 16, I was 15, I had my first beer. And it was uh, at a pub in Germany one summer when I was dancing with my dance school, and I found relief. I say this a lot. I felt like up until that moment, I was holding my breath. And then finally, I was able to breathe. I felt like I was able to be myself. I felt like I was funny. The chatter in my mind that was constant stopped, quieted quieted down. And I knew that from that moment on, I was going to try to recreate that because it felt so good. So that became my way of um, navigating the world, I always I felt better in my body, and I felt better in the world knowing that I had that. So I chased that for a long time, and then fast forward, moving through high school, moving through through college in New York at NYU as a dancer. I always chased the party. Being a dancer is and being a performer is the perfect uh, perfect career. <laughs> for someone with an alcohol or drug. It
0: uh, surprises me because it seems like there's so much discipline, especially being a dancer and your body's your instrument and you got to keep it tight and strong and flexible. How does that balance work with the drinking?
1: It just does <laughs> for, for me, for <laughs> me, you know, I also, I came, I came from, I came from an environment where, where drinking was commonplace. And, and, I think about my father, my father had an incredible tolerance for alcohol, maybe I inherited that, I don't know, and it's something that grows over time. And, and I, who knows, maybe I just conditioned myself to be able to, to function at such a high level of athleticism with my dance, as I was able to achieve and still be able to drink and do drugs and smoke cigarettes and things like that. So I did that for a long time. And and without Without great consequence, there would be things that were consequential that would happen, like I'll never forget one New Year's uh, drinking and and drugging so much that I lost my ability to see.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Like literally I I was staring at my friend and I could all of a sudden I couldn't see. Oh my gosh. A normal person would think, Wow, that was horrible. I'll never do that again. But you know, a few days later I was back at it. So that is I think when I look back, that was one of the first signs of my alcoholism and drug addiction, that despite negative consequences, I continued to take the same actions, but expecting a different result. Yeah. So I did that um, for years and years, and things came to a head back in 2001 when I... Had the best dance job of my life, dancing in, in Disney's The Lion King. I was oh my gosh, that's uh, part of the, that's the. I was part of the Toronto cast uh, of the show, and then eventually made my way to Broadway, and eventually went on the national tour, and then back to Broadway for over a span of like nine years. Um, but things came to a head where I was drinking and drugging just in order to survive and and feel uh, like I could just be in the world. I was having such a hard time managing life. And that was one of the things that was helping me breathe. However, I got to this point where I crossed that invisible line where I lost the, the, I lost the ability to choose Mm
2: -hmm. as to
1: whether or not I was going to do it. I was just going to do it. I would start off the beginning of my day saying, oh, Steven, you're not going to drink today or you're not going to do cocaine today. And then as the day would wear on, it's like, well, mm. and then by the time, by the end of the day, I am at the liquor store again um, and I would bounce around to different liquor stores in Toronto because I didn't want the cashier to think, gosh, he's here a lot. What's wrong with him? So not that they were even thinking about me in that way, but I was, yeah, but I was trying to manage all that, which in in, in and of itself should be a sign that something's not right. But um, yeah, I just, I got to the point where I couldn't imagine another day of drinking and drugging, but I also couldn't imagine a life without it. So I was at a jumping off point and luckily I had a friend who was in recovery who was always a beacon of light for me, always demonstrated what how beautiful and how fulfilling and how radiant a sober life could be. But he never forced it on me, he never preached to me nothing. He was just he was just living his life. And so when I found myself in trouble, I went to him. And I confessed to him what was going on. And he said the most interesting thing to me, he and his partner had seen me perform in the show, maybe a week or two weeks before the day that I was sitting on his couch telling him my, my, my truth. And he said, you know, it's funny, Kelvin, his partner, said after I brought them backstage, he said to Craig, he said, what's going on with Steven? Is he okay? And he said, there's normally a a brightness about him. He's normally a very bright light. And that light just seems like it's been turned way down. And he was absolutely right. But I was pretending as though I had it all together and that there was nothing wrong. But anyone who was intuitive and just paying attention could see that. And he saw that. And so when I'm confessing to my friend what's going on and he tells me that, I really knew that, oh, okay, it's over. Wow. Wow. So I have a choice to make. And so that was the beginning of my sober journey, and I've been sober for 20 oh, years.
0: that's fantastic. And how soon did you discover the movement? I mean, you've been doing dance, but the Pilates, the Qigong, and wanting to go to school for Chinese medicine.
1: Yeah, well, I started... I started studying Pilates in a serious way when I was doing Lion King and I was oh, on tour. Okay. It oh. was just something that I felt like I could do for myself. And so I started to do that then. But as far as having a movement practice that nourished me and helped me manage my emotions and uh, and helped me manage stress in a very conscious way, that wasn't until I was 10 years sober. Okay. And desperation really made me cling to the movement practices and uh, and all the, some of the other things that I teach in the book, like the drowning would cling to a, a life preserver. And and I wish that I had those skills or those tools earlier on in sobriety, but it's OK we, we're, with the lessons and the teachers come when the student is ready. And That's so at sure? that point, I was very ready. And I knew from early on in that experience of being exposed to those practices that that's something I would do for the rest of my life, and that it was my mission to share it with others. And that's what I do in my book, Recovering You, and that's what I do in SWE Studios. I share those practices because I know that they work. I know that they're useful, and I know that they're fun to do.
0: Now, what Steve Washington, what does the E stand for? in the SWE.
1: Oh, experience.
0: Oh, I love that. Oh, I really am. I, you know, I'm going to sign up. I'm super excited because I definitely need something to help calm me down. <laughs> you know, I got a lot going on. And, you know, uh, just listening to your story, you know, my best friend from childhood, you know, like so many of us had dysfunctional family and a lot of trauma and they all, their parents were alcoholics and some of their siblings, it was eight kids. And she started drinking and then doing drugs and she died at 51. She got her, everything was like just shutting down and it was really sudden and it was just absolutely heartbreaking. You have to be able to make that decision that the pain is just too much. The the cost, the price, what it's doing to my life, that I'm going to face that fear of whatever it is to get better. And people have to find that on their own.
1: Yeah, I I I from my experience and I and I talked to a lot of other uh people who are dealing with addiction that one of the common threads is trauma. Oh
0: yeah, definitely.
1: And I know that trauma is kind of an overused word now, but nonetheless, it is real. It exists and there are many ways that one can experience trauma that it doesn't have to be going off to war or or surviving a rape or being in a car accident or a mugging or all the things that we think of as like really big um, deals and ways of um, experiencing bad things. But there are just so many things that one can go through that are traumatic and have an effect on us physiologically and can affect the brain and rewire the brain, especially when they happen when we're young, when our brains are just developing. And so that, coupled with other things, can lead us into developing these habits. And these habits are ways of self-soothing and self-regulating. Albeit misguided, um, albeit dangerous, unhealthy, there is some aspect of it that works or works for a period of time yeah. until, until it doesn't know. work yeah. anymore. until it doesn't,
0: right? And it causes more problems, like I was saying, yeah.
1: Like yeah, and then you, again, you come to that jumping off point where you're either going to stop what you're doing and try something new or just keep doing it and getting the same results over and over again, although you might be expecting something else. Uh, but there's no way to move, I think, into healing and resolving some of those issues and and entering some form of recovery until you look at some of the trauma until you deal Absolutely. until you address it until you identify it and work work through it and yeah. that's one of the reasons why i teach movement because i know that the body as bessel van der kolk says in his book the body keeps the score the body keeps a record of all of our traumatic experiences And the one of the ways, one of the most effective ways to unlock that and to heal that and to move that energy, because I do feel as though it's stuck energy, trapped Mm -hmm. energy, is to connect to the body, connect to the breath, um, become aware of your body and your sensations in your body, because so many of us disconnect, we disassociate from our bodies. And so our bodies are truly our friends. But I think on some level, many of us forget that it's it really rough. is. It is rough. It is rough. And, and one of the things that I talk about in the book and I, and I, I stress the importance of and, and I feel as though even in SWE studio, I create this sense of community. No one gets through this life alone. We all need help. We all need each other. And and its studies have shown that connection is important for better mental health, and Absolutely. and and this last few years moving through the pandemic, that's taught us that um, all of us have been touched by that in ways yeah. that we had never experienced before. So community is so important. Having people around you who have your best interest at heart, who support you where you can be honest about what you're going through and not keep secrets and hide and and live in the shame.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it it's interesting too because and I know I've said this a lot lately but it keeps coming up that loneliness is really dangerous. You know, loneliness is worse for you than smoking. I'm not telling anyone to go out and smoke, but it's pretty astounding. You know, if you if you look at research in public health, how dangerous and unhealthy it is. How loneliness—it's crazy. So, get connected. Now, I'll oh, go ahead.
1: No, no, I think what you were saying is absolutely true, and that loneliness is—it's a big—it's—it's—it can lead to so many other issues, whether it's health, uh, physical health issues mental, emotional, uh, health issues, just having connection is so important for us to, to, um, live a life that's more balanced and healthy and, 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 and to be well. And I was thinking that what's interesting is for me, I know that I am more of an introverted person. Mm. I've, I'm an introverted person with some extroverted tendencies. I love yeah. being alone. I, I get energy from being alone. But there still has to be a balance. Right. I can't stay alone forever. I, I need to connect. I need to be out in the world. I need to let people in. So mm-hmm. it's it's important for each of us to find what that right balance is, to not look towards our neighbor and and who maybe is a bit more extroverted and is out in the world in a different way. And think to yourself, well, why can't I be more like them? Should I be like them? And then beat yourself up because you're different. Right. I did that for a long time. And mm-hmm. alcohol and drugs helped me be in the world and be like them. Right. I finally was able to be, become more comfortable being me, which is not that, not them. It's just me. And right. I am a mixture and a blend of it all. And, and it's all good.
0: You're beautiful. And was there anything you wanted to add? And I can't wait to have you back. I mean, I'd just love to have you on regularly just to talk about healing and trauma and movement and all this great stuff. You're a gem. I would
1: love that. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah, you're beautiful. I would love that. So so, think it's-
0: was there anything else today? Because I'm going to have you back in March. So take a deeper dive. No, I think
1: I think I think we covered a lot, and there's more to cover, but maybe it's not meant to happen today. I'm so glad that you created an opportunity for me to talk about SWE Studio because that's oh, nice. when I think about the last few years of my life between cre- writing Recovering You and creating SWE Studio, which just celebrated its second anniversary last November. Thank you. It's like the book came out mid-November. Swe Studio was two years old, and they're just major um, milestones for me in terms of uh, my life as a creative. And I'm so proud of I'm so proud of Swe Studio and this book uh, because I really I want to create. I wanted to create an accessible, affordable. Um, place to create and and share wellness content with people i mean my my membership is only 22 dollars a month
0: i know i was shocked
1: 20 i, I mean how, how often how that's quickly insane. how quickly do we move through 22 dollars? that's what two drinks at right. starbucks that's
0: incredible i was blown away because i was i looked at your trailer and i was like for your fusion of uh Pilates in Qigong and I was like, wait, what? I thought, is that a class or? <laughs> now, do you have a studio people can go to or is it all virtual? It's nice. all
1: virtual and nice. we film it at our studio here in um, in Southern California. I have a great team that mm-hmm. helps me. Thank you. Create such a beautiful presentation, create a space for me to just go in and just show up and, and do what I do and do what I do so well and then put it out there into the world In my membership community, there there's over 300 videos um, of full-length classes, abbreviated classes, depending upon how much time you have. Like I said, it's the Pilates, Qigong fusion, it's the dance, it's the meditation, it's laughter medicine, so much there to help people live their best life. Oh,
0: that is fantastic. Stephen, you are such a gem. All right, tell everybody how they can get your book, Recovering You, uh, sorry. Let me say that again. Recovering you, soul care, and mindful movement for overcoming addiction, and also how they can join SWE and get the Steve Washington experience.
1: Well, you can go to stephenwashingtonexperience.com where you can find how how to buy Recovering You. There are links to Amazon, and uh, you can find it at Amazon. You can get the audiobook version on Audible. Uh, other booksellers are also carrying the book. And if you go into a bookstore and they don't have it, ask them to get you a copy. Uh, And then SWE Studio, you can also find uh, more information about that on my website as well. And you can sign up and join this fabulous community that that I am a part of and that I've helped create. Well, I'm
0: joining it. I need it. I'm excited. And you are just a beautiful person. I'm so excited that you came on the show Uh, If people want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at Lisa Davis MPH, lots of dogs. Uh, with my new venture, Dog Eared with Lisa Davis. They write about dogs. I interview them. Everybody check out Health Power and Dog Eared. Keep coming back, rate, review, and subscribe. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Health Power. Coming up next is five minutes of the wonderful podcast, Menopause Reimagined with Andrea Donsky. This is episode 55, Bioidentical Hormones, BHRT Menopause with Dr. Chris Shade. So be sure to go to where you get your podcast so you can keep listening and type in Menopause Reimagined. Welcome to the Morphous
3: for Menopause podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Andrea Donsky, and I'm the co-founder of WeAreMorphous.com. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Chris Shade. He's the CEO and founder of Quicksilver Scientific, and we're going to be talking about hormones, specifically BHRT, which is body identical hormones. That's coming up right now. Chris, I am so happy to have you on the Morphous for Menopause podcast.
2: Thanks, Andrea. Great to be here.
3: I'm happy to have you. Now, I've interviewed you before for the, for the summit, our amazing menopause shift summit, and your information was so great that I wanted to have you on the podcast because I want us to really dig deep into bioidentical hormones. And I know that as the founder of Quicksilver Scientific, you sell, you have it on your website, people are able to get it. And I would love to just talk a little bit about, you know, do we need a prescription? We can get it directly from you. Give us a little bit of the backstory
2: yeah uh prescriptions usually going around compounded hormones and certain forms oral you need prescriptions for uh but those so let's go back to supplements so what are you allowed to get over the counter dhea and pregnenolone for oral use as a supplement then the hormones that aren't allowed for oral use are as a supplement are testosterone progesterone Estradiol, estriol, or estrone. So the estrogens. But progesterone and the estrogens can be used as a topical uh, as a you know as a, a beauty cream. And so you can look on the web and you know you can go on to You know, Amazon, you can find estrogen creams. And so we have estrogen and progesterone as topical nano serums. And then we have an oral DATA and uh, pregnenolone blend. Now, the only thing we haven't talked about here is testosterone. Testosterone is either going to be a prescription cream, it's almost never done oral, uh, except for a sublingual format that we have, but that's only through compounding pharmacies. So it's usually taken as a cream. As an injectable or as a pellet but for women if you get dhea levels up high enough that all converts over into testosterone so the nano dhea pregnenolone gives you dhea pregnenolone and testosterone and then The topical progesterone uh, gives you the progesterone. And estrogen, either you're going to make enough for the DHEA or you're going to need a little extra as the topical estradiol or topical estriol.
0: Episode 55, Bioidentical Hormones, BHRT Menopause with Dr. Chris Shade. So be sure to go to where you get your podcast so you can keep listening and type in menopause reimagined.